Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Help on the Way podcast, where we are featuring December 26th, 1969, at the McFarland Auditorium at the um, SMU. What is that university initial stand Southern for? Methodist? SMU. Southern Methodist? I think you are correct on that. <laughs> at Southern Methodist University That's... in Dallas, Texas. I am your co-host of the game, here with my fellow co-hosts, Knob and Fig. Let's go ahead and welcome our guests to the wild and wonderful world of Yokozuna Part 2. <laughs> Yokozuna cast. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, <laughs> I just uh, want to say, I want to thank uh, Mr. Fig, who is my dad, for watching enough college football that I knew off the top of my head that SMU was likely Southern uh, Methodist. <laughs> yeah, I didn't uh, know what I was going for school. there. Um. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. This is what I bring to the party. <laughs> you you bring random SEC schools to to the yeah. to, to the dance. It just uh, needs more. We have a action packed, jam packed show this evening to bring to you fine people. Uh, and before we dive into the main event of December twenty sixth, nineteen sixty nine, where I know we have at least one hot take about the show. And I can almost guarantee we have two hot takes about this show. Wow. Uh, but before we dive into that, we are, of course, going to dive into our Channel 6 news segment. And we have a lot to go over this week. That's news. Uh, the very first bullet point um, uh, was the two Dead & Company shows. Uh, between our last podcast episodes, uh, Dead & Company played at Jazz Fest, and um, the much bigger show was Dead & Company at Cornell. Um, the Dead & Company Jazz Fest show did not have any live streaming, as we discussed on last week's podcast. Yep. So <laughs> we all um, we all went old school, and uh, I listened to the majority of it through Mixler. Yep. Oh, okay. Um, I did see some people. Um, I think they were floating around, or maybe I, I just I truthfully I forgot around. that it was happening. <laughs> it's okay; it wasn't that good. Yeah, I, um, I thought Cornell yeah. was pretty good, but I didn't care for Jazz Fest. A couple of good songs. So, but... how did you hear it? Uh, the mixer, the same mixer. Oh, mixer. I listened to some some person in the crowd hold up their phone during drums. I heard this guy keep yelling, "Sarah." Sarah! Yeah. Yeah. I think it made drums better. Ugh. So that's um, what was that's what really threw me Sarah off. Or... No. <laughs> just, just someone looking for someone named Sarah? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe it was Fleetwood Mac Sarah. Go ahead. It could be. That was truthfully my biggest takeaway. Um, I went into the Jazz Fest night um, optimistic in a way. Like, ooh, like we're going to do this like the old school way. Yeah. Right. And very quickly, I fucking hated it. <laughs> very, very, was it, very quickly. Was it the sound quality, or just because um, you're, you're used to the best, or like? I yeah, and it, it was a festival, so there was no like taper section. It wasn't like the people yeah, around him yeah. were trying to be courteous or quiet. It was just someone holding up a phone in the middle yeah. of this festival crowd that didn't and, like when the songs were slow. 
And man, did they go to the wrong band. Sorry, you go, Dave. <laughs> and I normally don't care about people talking during concerts. I don't give a shit. Because you paid your good money, feel free. Right? Like, I, I have no judgment for that. As long as you're not sitting in the seat I paid for, talking fucking to your heart's content. Yeah. However, holy hell, like you said, that screaming to Sarah, like, I was literally hearing entire people's conversations. So, like, it's one thing to be in the audience and have people talking around you. Like, at least I have the ability to, like, zoom in and focus on solely the music. On a live stream like that, it's it's impossible. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Ab- oh, it's, yeah. it's absolutely impossible. Um, and then just, you know, the, the hiccups of of like gorilla live streaming like that um i i saw some like facebook live videos pop up that people were real excited about and yeah. and etc cetera, etc cetera. um I, I don't even have the the set list for jazz fest uh, i'm trying to look it up on archive just to see um, if there's i believe they opened with trucking i think yes. i remember that correctly there's uh, a pretty good plane in the band i'll stand by the plane in the band um but what else was there Oh god, brown eyed women. A pretty good not fade away at the end that I actually really dug. Um these are just off the top of my head. I wrote it down, but I was on a yeah. train while it happened. Yeah, you, you don't have to you don't have to go into it. So um I think overall us as as a show can safely say that the Den Company set at Jazz Fest uh can mostly just be ignored and, and put in a um in a box and, and not really to ever be uh, seeked out again. Whatever uh, happens ha- at Jazz Fest stays at Jazz Fest, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I like that. That's a, uh, I think like Las Vegas should use it as like a motto or something. Uh, <laughs> however, um, a complete 360, a 180, I don't know, whatever the fuck you want to say. Uh, 180. <laughs> I guess if they went for shit, I guess now they're good, so that would be 180, you are correct. Yeah. Uh, they go back to being... They're back to being shitty again. Um, was the Dead and Company set at Cornell? Um, no, but I'm, I'm going to just ask you just a very, a very point blank question uh, that yes. we did not discuss earlier. Um, do you and and you probably have listened to out uh, of the three of us probably listened to the most Dead and Company shows with me second, Fig probably third. Yeah, it's been a rough life. Is the, for you. <laughs> is this the best show they've performed? Okay. I I see this going around a lot. My my hot take is I think more time needs to pass before I feel comfortable calling it the best one way or the other. It's obviously in the top shelf of Dead and Company shows. It is comfortably yeah. in the top ten, the top five, the top three, sure. But I think we need to the dust needs to settle a little bit more before I'm comfortable calling it the best show ever because that happens all the time and time passes and we're like, that was good. That being said, it is absolutely one of the best Dead & Company shows I've ever heard. I'm going to agree with you literally on every point, uh, and I know that doesn't really make for a good podcast conversation. You're going to echo. Um, okay. Yes. I'll um, give you a gold star. <laughs> but um, truthfully, my... Everything was good. I don't. I, I can't think of a weak spot, and even my weak spot, which is always drums in space, <laughs> always drums in space, 
always drums in space. I didn't yeah. hate as much drums in space. Yeah, and there's literally around with it, which is cool. And there's literally a particular like I can tell you why, and it's so stupid. Is nothing to do with music. Nothing. Fucking Jay Lane was beaten on whatever the hell it was, right? Yeah. And the camera was like in the middle of it. Okay. Oh. And he just poked his head in looking like a jerk off <laughs> with a big smile on his face. He like poked his head in at the camera. He just beat whatever the fuck it is. And I'm like, that is hilarious. Hilarious to me. That like, even he's Wait, so the like, camera was going through the drum. I've seen that shot before. It, it's, I don't, I don't even know how to explain what the hell he was hitting. I'm, I'm not. I ignore drums and spaces so much that I couldn't tell you what the what the shit's going on. I'm guessing it was some sort of drum. It was a drum. It could be space. Okay. He could have been hitting space. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that, and he was he was standing up and it was like a big circle. Not like it wasn't like a gong or something. I don't fucking know. But it and it and it has like like the center of it like is hollow. And he like just poked his head through. That's where the camera was. <laughs> and That's and awesome. he just looked so stupid and silly. And Mickey has this big shit-eating grin on his face the entire fucking night. Always. Like, it was excellent. Yeah. Like, everything was excellent. Um, I'll jump it, in with my take. I mean, go ahead. that's set two. Like, I would say, regardless of uh, Nob's take, which I, which I think is probably the correct take, however, it is a little, uh, you know, waffly uh, for this podcast that not that many people listen to. Fine, um, it's the best they really played since Pigpen died. Are you happy? <laughs> no, I mean, it could go either way. Listen, I, I'm just saying, you can't just be like, well, maybe we'll see. Um, you, I would, my hot take is that this is probably the most A-list songs in a row that you'll ever see. Oh yeah, it's it yeah. Was I mean, like the, the set list, the greatest hits set list. Of... It's the greatest hit set. But not only that, but like the the theme was uh, the sweets, right? So it yeah. was China Rider. This is just second sight. China Rider helps let Frank drums in space. If you want to call that a sweet, sure. Now, truth be told, that's when I went to bed. I knew oh, that Scarlet Fire was going to happen. I know. I listened to it the next day. Uh, I knew Scarlet Fire was going to happen um, because. It was Cornell, and that's what Cornell's famous for. Yeah. And of course, they played that right after Drums in Space. Um, and we get a Morning Dew, which is well placed. And then the real that that uh, lady with the fan terrapin would have been really cool uh, to listen yeah. to in real time. But it was way past Fig's bedtime. Um, so my take is that I mean, just that second set. I've never seen anything like that. That's all A listers. Um. I feel like they almost had to do something like that, considering some of those tickets were nine hundred dollars a piece. But well, um, it's smart though. <laughs> like, you like, I, I like like the whole reason that they were there is play because... the hits for your biggest fans. Yeah, no, it's because Cornell is a superlative show, right? It's like everyone sure. knows Cornell. Like, it might not be their best, but it's their superlative best, right? And and instead of playing it note for note, like you would get or, or song for song, like you would get maybe from Dark Star or or something. They decided to just play the superlative sweets, you know, of uh, kind of duo songs, couple couplets, and and that's cool. I, I like that idea a lot. That was whoever thought of that was very smart. Yeah, and you could well, absolutely tell that uh, that they they understood the weight of what they were doing, going back to Cornell and playing another show at Cornell. 
um right. they you could tell that there was some internal pressure to do the absolute best that they could and i think they absolutely brought the energy that they need to call this their cornell yeah true yeah good call speaking of very expensive tickets maybe we should move on to our next yes yes because we have tickets we have a full summer tour coming up to, to discuss the intricacies of Dead and Company. Uh, but our next bullet point is one of our co-hosts here on this lovely podcast is going to see, um, I think it's probably safe to say, is the hottest musical actor in the world right now, right? I, I, uh, I mean, I'm biased because I'm going, but yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, shit, like... Like she, like, like, literal, like, like Congress is like investigating <laughs> shit, you know, like, like, and like for real. Um, when is she gonna run for office, man? Let's make that, make that happen. Don't, 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 don't speak that to the fucking. I ether. don't I ready for that. Taylor's world. Yeah, I ain't ready for that yet. Um, Nob is going to see Taylor Swift. Uh. Tomorrow, which as we are recording, a little peek behind the curtain, is the May 14th Sunday show in Philadelphia. Um, and first off, before we play our little guessing game, uh, Nob, are, uh, just give us some thoughts on uh, what you're looking forward to most about tomorrow's adventure. Most? That's a good question. I've, I mean, I've just never seen Taylor Swift live before yeah i'm excited to do uh nitrous balloons in the parking lot after the show. dude it's it's philly there's going to be nitrous balloons oh i know oh i know you um, think there's gonna be for real i don't i don't know actually <laughs> i don't think anywhere near as much of a presence but i wouldn't be surprised if you see one nitrous canister floating around the parking lot after the show it might be ready whip or something but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um but yeah, I've I've been a longtime fan of Taylor Swift's music. Just never, it, not never enough, but just it, it's expensive to see Taylor Swift. Always has well, here, been. I'm I'm gonna and, interview you a little bit. Yeah. When okay. did you get into Taylor Swift? Oh, I've been with her since the first album. Uh, because uh, when I grew up, we would listen to a lot of like pop country on the radio. Yeah. And so when her first pop country hits were coming around, I didn't like all of them. I was a little picky about my early Taylor Swift. I've always been a little picky about my Taylor Swift. <laughs> I like her a lot, be. but only when she's at her best. Uh, <laughs> but there were some great songs on that first album. Should have said no, our song. Tim McGraw's around. It was fine. It's a song. But yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed the pop country stuff. I fell off a little bit, but got back on when she started going into the pop pop <laughs> stuff, and I've been here ever since. Uh, I don't. Would you call her best stuff midnights. Zippy or Bobby? Um, her best, her best stuff is neither Zippy nor Boppy, but her Boppy is better than her Zippy. There's a lot you can unpack with that statement, and. I want to do a deep dive into it, but I think yeah, we're going yeah. to move into the second portion of our Taylor Swift conversation, which is we are going to guess the cost um, of the tickets you have uh, you have purchased to see sure. Taylor Swift this weekend. Now, if and you I don't want, wa I um, want to just clarify before we play this. I'm good doing it. I have like nosebleed nosebleeds, and I just want that to be. Uh, understood as we go into the guessing so portion. you're just getting into the house yeah 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 i'm in the room and that's all i really and, but you and you got them you got them through ticketmaster day of right like the, yes you weren't well okay. a mm. friend of ours was able to get four and we bought two off of them 
Okay. Okay. Um, and if you don't want to give the exact amount, that's totally okay. It's okay. Um, I don't remember the exact amount, and we'll definitely be rounding. So, through Ticketmaster, directly, on the day of, I don't even know. Um, and you're in, like, the nosebleeds. Yeah, we're, we're pretty far up. Bringing those little opera binoculars. I'm gonna say 250. So, I asked Mrs. Fig, and, uh, she said 1,000. But, I'm gonna disagree with her, and I'm actually gonna agree with my co-host game, and say 250. But, I, well, to make, I... to make it a game, I'm gonna do $300. Okay, then I will tell you the game was closer. The answer I'm looking for is, in fact, one hundred and fifty dollars. Oh wow, okay. one hundred and fifty dollars. I was gonna say closer to one fifty because you got go one dollar. You got directly from Ticketmaster, and it's in a stadium, and you're in the nosebleeds. Yes. Anywhere now, closer would have been out of that price range. Do you know how much you could resell that ticket for? Okay, I'm actually looking that up right now. Uh, I have yeah, it up. Do you guys want to guess? I mean, uh, is it is it five? Uh, five hundred. Yeah. No, it's not five hundred. Nosebleeds. Uh, this I was for two tickets. Let me, for... let me look for one ticket. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're gonna be a lot. That. You should probably resell it. <laughs> Uh, Mrs. Fig was was closer there. Um, right now, I don't know where your seats are. There's not many tickets on StubHub. No, there's really not at all. No. Oh, this is for tonight's show. Oh, let me look. Oh. Let me go for tomorrow's show. Anyway, tonight they're going for fifteen hundred. Jesus, yeah, for lowers. Right. Uh, change date. See all dates. I can't do this anymore. Anyway, it's a lot. So you pretty much hit the lottery getting those fucking tickets on the day I, of. I do not feel anywhere near as confident wow. in the fact that if we didn't get them on the day they went on sale, that I would be going to Taylor Swift tomorrow. It's still like $1,300. Yeah. Jesus. You should probably just yeah. sell those, bro. And... Oh, no. I really want to go. No. Uh, yeah. I at, at this point now, it's like a status. Of... I, know, I can't just watch you it. Could, you could go hang out outside. Live. Yeah, no. I know. These people are With selling for like three thousand. I mean, that was the cheapest ticket. Like. Yeah, you know, you know how better knobs going to be than those people who are sitting outside, even in the nosebleeds. So you can look That's, over. It's worth it just so I can post on my Instagram story. I'm here, pores. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Hashtag pores. <laughs> the pores. <laughs> pores. It's a good name for a band. That is a good name for a band. You can take you. I you can you... literally take a picture behind your shoulder because behind your shoulder will be the will be the uh, the the literal back of Lincoln Financial Field, and you'll see all the normies behind you. And then you can just say the pores. <laughs> yeah, just some really smug pictures of me waving at people who are outside the venue, blowing them with like kisses. a really yeah 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 like a, oh I'm so sorry, but I'm clearly very happy face. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, yeah. sure I'm pretty sure you can like legally like step on them. <laughs> and like and like this is philly like, who's gonna stop you like not before the show like before the show you're all this like you have the golden ticket it's but true, like still true. like before the show like everyone's still kind of the same stature but then after the show they really are just pieces of shit that you could just step all over and just be like 
I saw the queen. They win because they're the one with the ice cold fatties. Now uh, so you have to be nice to them. Now you have to be on the lookout for any three night Taylor Swift people because they're the fuck big shit. They're oh like, man, yeah. They, you know, I've been oh. following her for the last few weeks. I was at the rain <laughs> show in Nashville. Uh, I need a miracle for the last show. Is there like yeah, a Holly yeah. Molly mischief for for Taylor Swift? Oh yeah. There are big friendship bracelets are the big things with the Swifties is making bracelets huh. to just give to each other. Uh, oh. There are absolutely vendors that sell Swift themed stuff, but that's the big thing among Swifties. So it's like summer camp, essentially. I I would. Yes. I, if anything, essentially is too strong a word. Yeah, it is summer camp <laughs> for these people. OK, uh, well, I mean, summer camp's like five thousand dollars. So, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, I've. I've gotten bracelets at both fish shows and Dead and Co shows. I know it's I, it's not exclusively the Swifties, but it's big amongst them. I bought a bracelet at a uh, I don't know if it was Further or it? the Dead. Oh. I forget, but it was Permaline, and I felt like it had power. Mm. That was the stage of my life at that point. Man, I have not transcended into that jam band stage of my life yet, where I'm either buying and or getting bracelets. But no, maybe this is the year. I guys, let it grow we in up. little letters. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we shit. meet up, guys, at at Philly, Den Company, I will be bringing y'all the bracelets. Oh, we're absolutely exchanging friendship bracelets at bracelets. Um, I would like a full lot review, if possible, on on next on next week's uh, podcast. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll hit you up on how we live pod downstream uh, tomorrow. <laughs> I hope. Palestine. I, I hope uh, Cosmo Charlie's Grateful Grill is is in the lot, uh, serving yeah, would, up his delicious burritos. A, a heady grilled cheese after <laughs> Got a goo ball. Stadium shaking Betty. I think she's gonna go type two on Betty. You know what though? Like, and and this is where we'll because we'll, we'll, we could probably talk about this for the, the, literally the next forty five minutes. This could be the whole episode. Um, you gotta stop me. We actually do talk about the Grateful Dead Once in this in episode. <laughs> like. How many vendors attach themselves to Dead and Company and Fish, right? Yeah. And and they go from show to show to show. Fuck, Taylor Swift is blowing them out the water. And yeah. the people who are going to see Taylor Swift are paying a considerable amount of more money. Yeah. And her I, her I would hope Yeah, like I would hope there's vendors. I yeah, yeah they're I, not to knock on merch because that's not make or break for enjoying a concert experience, but she has awful t-shirts. Every time I see a Ooh. picture of her merch booth, I could not imagine spending money on any of them. And I want to get a Taylor Swift shirt. I like the concept, but uh, they're all just so ugly looking shirts. If there was... Well, you'd know that she wears short shorts and I wear t-shirts. That's t if... true. <laughs> If there was a, I got that then uh, when you said this. I had to Google that real quick. <laughs> that was the right thing. If there was a vendor who sold, I don't want to say feminine, but like um, soft colored tie dyes. Like I'm a fan of like soft color yeah. tie dyes, right? Yeah. Not like overly bright. Not in your face. Yeah. Correct. Dude. Soft, soft colors like that I with know. like Swifty shit on it. Oh my god, they'd sell like hotcakes. Yeah, oh yeah. Why aren't we doing this? <laughs> I think her people are a little more protective over the brand than uh, the Dead's people. Can you imagine? I just got 400 
I wear short shorts, you wear t-shirts, shirts taken by the Taylor Swift security. Just the feds showing up <sighs> to take away your reputation merch. That's some of my favorite lot drama. That happened in, where were we? Hershey or Philly? One of those two. Probably so Hershey. Someone got a whole bunch of shirts taken, yeah, and it was like the biggest thing. Like, oh my god, oh our shirts were taken. I think Is it was. Certain... Who was oh, it? Um, no, you go because I forget which vendor it was. Well, it's the big thing with these band shirts is that often you can put as much iconography, you can put song titles on there, but once you start putting the band name, that's when you get in trouble. Once you include the name Grateful Dead or Dead and Company or Fish or Billy Strings or anything like that, that's when you start to get yourself in trouble generally. Um, I just loved how like the news traveled. Yeah, it's like I am merely a consumer. <laughs> you know, like I'm just a consumer, and yet, like the news got to our tailgating spot at X, Y, and Z. I I think it was Nola Deadhead. If I had to guess, I think it was sure. Nola De Dead's run of uh, Jeep during the ride shirts. I think he got a bunch of those taken, and like I remember, like it was like, oh my god, like can't believe it like the lot police are out like they're taking stuff like be careful i'm <laughs> just like this shit is crazy but anyway enough about merchandise and taylor swift and everything else uh but before we go into our main event we are going to look at a reddit post that was posted just a day ago um uh, that actually got 83 upvotes which is kind of pretty good for a grateful dead um subreddit post because i don't feel like people don't really upvote much um this post is titled which song is their masterpiece um here's the comment of the post we all have our personal favorites but what would you say is the dead's masterpiece slash magnum opus in other words what's their supper's ready close to the edge thick as a bridge <laughs> thick, thick as, as a brick brick, brick echoes my personal opinion is that it is terrapin but i'd like to hear what you all think um fig what do you think is uh the boy's masterpiece yeah so th this is one i mean i will say 81 upvotes is actually not that high but it's just someone it's one that caught my eye and there's some really good conversation actually it has three three comments so this is more of a oh yeah you know what you're yeah, right discussion just... post than than upvoted um and um, yeah, mo most people uh, get upvotes with like, check out my new tattoo. Look at the shirt that I found. Here's That's this like missing hundreds person. And hundreds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 81 upvotes isn't isn't great, but this is uh, user pmitch72402. And I think they're exactly right. I, I would say it's Terrapin Station. Um, I mean, if we're talking about masterpieces, I mean, that song is masterful. It sounds like a masterpiece. Um, got different movements to it, there's jam components. It's proggy as hell. Um, it's something that they've stuck with, you know, since '77 uh, when when it came out. I think, yeah, '77, right? Not. Uh, yes. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> and uh, and hey, uh, Den and Company encored it on on their greatest hits uh, set two on Monday night at Cornell. So I will say that P. Mitch is exactly right. It is Terrapin Station, um, with a uh, honorable mention to France. 
Good. from the uh, <laughs> dancing. Well, from the Shakedown Street album. Yes. Not. Uh, I've always been a big Terrapin person. That's always been in my my top favorites of Dead songs. That Box of Rain and uh, I don't know Cassidy U.S. Blues. Anyway, got a lot of songs I like. But yeah, Terrapin's always been towards the top for me. I think especially if we're talking from a, a lyrical standpoint, it's absolutely one of Robert Hunter's best. From a compositional standpoint, mm. it's absolutely one of Jerry's best. If we're comparing it to those other like prog epic songs like Echoes or, or et cetera, et cetera, it's hard to argue that it's not Terrapin. There are other brilliant Grateful Dead songs that I would comfortably call masterpieces, but when it comes to their masterpiece, I think it's got to be Terrapin Station. We agree. Yeah. There's a first for everything. <laughs> Game? It's, it's tons of steel, right? I mean... <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I mean, that, you would say that. The, the Brent head would say that. No. Um, I think it's drum space. Oh, <laughs> God. How dare you? Um, I mean, they did play that the most. That's true. That's true. But does that Ter a masterpiece make? Terrapins. This is a hard question. It's a and good question. And for me, it's between two songs. Terrapin Station and Ripple. Hmm. Ooh, yes. It um, is. Terrapin Station is like, in my mind, is like a child's storybook. Like... You open it up, and you go on this whimsical, lovely journey, right? In my that's how I see it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then Ripple is like my Sunday church service. Mm. Like I'm not a religious person, any stretch of the imagination. But when I hear Ripple, no matter like what the scenario, frankly, um. It's like however long. And ripples are never long. Rarely. Uh, it's like that four, five, six minutes. It's like, okay, like I'm in like a, a church type service. Um, so for me, I would say it's between those two songs. Um, cool. It almost has to be Terrapin, right? Like, it's just. It, it's, it's just, yeah, Terrapin has that majestic Everything. component to it yeah yeah i i i guess uh majestic is is the way i'm, I'm describing child's storybook like, like yeah. yeah just like you know like and they mentioned um a city from our uh native state of pennsylvania carlisle yeah yes yes they might not be talking about that carlisle but oh they definitely definitely are <laughs> it's definitely so much going don't. on Oh, lovely ladies of Carlisle. <laughs> um, anyway, um, that was a nice discussion there, friends. I enjoyed that. Um, now, uh, however... Part of the fun on the, on the Grateful Dead subreddit. Yes. Uh, you know what else is fun on the Grateful Dead subreddit? The Help on the Way weekly listening thread, which just so happens to have brought us December 26th. That is right. The day after Christmas, or as our friends in Canada call it, Boxing Day, yeah. 1969, uh, at the McFarlane Auditorium at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. This was a Friday night, so those 
Southern Methodists were bopping. Um, they played a, an acoustic set and an electric set. Uh, and I guess we'll just review them both as an acoustic and electric set. Um, the acoustic set was uh, started off with Monkey and the Engineer into Sadie. Uh, then we got Long Black Limousine, All Around This World, The Master's Bouquet, Black Peter, and Uncle John's Band. Um, Fig, what did you think of the acoustic set? I love Monkey and the Engineer. Um, talk about a story. Um, and actually, um, my my hot take was that it's a good encapsulation of Bob's personality. Like, it's kind of sarcastic, uh, but it's kind of heartfelt at the same time. Really, what's going on in Monkey and the Engineer? It's just a Curious George story uh, in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> Sets of music and, and fun yeah. music at that. Um, so I, I love whenever they, they bust that one out. And of course, they, they bring it out in Reckoning. And um, yeah, that's a really cool um, take as well. Uh, little Sadie, I can't really really recall it off the top of my head. It's a great rift. Oh, okay, yeah. It, it's kind of a melancholy bluegrass, bluegrass with a great riff. Uh, Jerry sings it very well. Long Black Limo. This recording sounded phenomenal at times, and Bob's vocals on Long Black Limo and the harmonies in Long Black Limo were just great. And listeners of the pod will know that Two weeks ago, we featured December 31st, 1969, so just a couple days after this, the date that we're featuring today, December 26th, 1969, and I was lambasting the harmonies and said it was unlistenable and couldn't do it. Um, most of the harmonies tonight were really good. Um, and, and, and Long Black Limo um, was great after that. Uh, there's, some, there's some good banter on this one, too. Um, Jerry, for whatever reason, says, I know a lot of people who don't watch any TV at all. And then I think Bobby says, not me. I watch all the country music I can on TV. Because uh, this, this, this acoustic set was all country songs, I guess, from their youth that they were, uh, you know, kind of uh, reckoning back to. Uh, we get to All Around This World, again, from Reckoning. Uh, this is actually very similar to the Reckoning um, version. Um, pretty much sound exactly the same. Master's Bouquet was my least favorite of the acoustic set. Um, they made Bouquet... I, I don't know who, who wrote this, but like the song makes Bouquet rhyme with decay. Like, decaying flowers. And it's just... You know, it doesn't sit well with me. And then the cool thing about this is, like, yeah, so these are some, you know, I guess, traditional country favorites. I don't know. I'm not a country guy. But then the last two songs in the acoustic country set are Black Peter and Uncle John's Van. And they were the best songs. I mean, like... Just by almost juxtaposition, it highlighted how great this band is in in their own songwriting. Um, so we get to Black Peter. I wrote that this was the best song of the bunch. I love Jerry's vocals. Um, there was actually some pretty sloppy guitar work. My my take on this is kind of schizophrenic because the first time I I listened to this, I thought it was great. The second time I listened to it, I was like, actually, it's pretty damn sloppy. Um, some weird chord fingerings that were just not happening. Poor timing. It barely hung together. Now I will say that. That was the first half of the song. The second half of the song, everything was great, and, and it was it was a really good version of Black Peter after they got through that. I then listened to Uncle John's band and said, no, that this is the best song of the acoustic set. Um, I liked all the acoustic instrumentation. I'm going to guess it was Billy on Claves, but it could have been Pigpen. Um, I don't know if Nob knows more about that, but, but there's some 
uh, clave sounds, um, someone banged on their guitar to give percussion effects. I think Pigpen was was doing some high CSNY ripoff vocals that that I found grating. Um, maybe maybe Nob can talk about that if when it I helps, it over I to him. I think it's Phil, which uh, would make really sense. I do. I think it's Phil doing those high harmonies. Really, I never knew that. Well, that would be why I take Umbridge an exception to it uh, because yeah. it, it is just so like. Like, I get what they're trying to do, and what they're trying to do is actually dated, to be honest with you. Because I, when I listen to CSNY, I think of dated 60s music. Now, this was late 60s, I get it. This was in vogue at the time, but, you know, that's not what the dead are about. That's not why we're having this podcast in 2023. And the other problem is that Phil can't do it. Like, he, he has the best intentions. He's a musician. He knows what he's trying to do, but he just can't pull it off because he's Phil Lesh, and... Yeah, the rest of his career was just kind of memeing off the fact that he can't really sing. Go ahead, Nob, before I get myself in trouble. Sure. Um, I, I think this is a fun acoustic set, but you also have to take it for what it is, keeping it in the context of the fact that Kreutzmann was running late and Bob and Jerry went out there to stall. Oh. This was not a prepared acoustic set. The very first thing that Bob says out there is, what are we going to do? Right before oh. they play Monkey and the Engineer. This was, uh, this isn't like the earlier, or the, the 1970 acoustic sets where they're planned or the Reckoning acoustic sets. This is just Bob and Jerry dicking around to past time. Uh, and keeping that in mind, I like it. I don't love every song in this bunch, uh, but I do generally like it. Um, I really enjoyed the Monkey and the Engineer. That would be a highlight of this set for me. Um, like you said, Fig, the vocals just, I don't know what it is, but the sound quality on Bob's vocals were great yeah, throughout this acoustic Bobby. set. Yep. Yeah, really shined in this Monkey and the Engineer. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was, Little Sadie was well played. It just didn't have the same impact to me. A nice solo from Jerry. Uh, Long Black Limousine, I had never heard before. It reminds me a little bit of the song Green Green Grass of Home, which the Dead also did once or twice around this time. Uh, it was fun. It's pretty. Didn't love it. Um, at one point in between the songs, Jerry says, don't worry, man, we're going to play. It's going to be all right. <laughs> and that that's the kind of stage banter that almost makes it worth listening to the rest of the tuning breaks. Um, of which there were a lot. Yes. Oh, it's Primal Dead. Uh, it's acoustic Primal Dead. There are going to need to be tuning breaks. Um, I think there were a couple too many slow songs in this set. Like, I actually really enjoyed the master's bouquet i just felt that after long black limousine and all around this world and even little sadie i didn't need the master's bouquet especially with the black peter coming up next i didn't yeah, necessarily i would have probably cut one of these downers and replaced it with a more up-tempo acoustic song but again they were stalling and just calling shit as they wanted to call it um i think there were some really gorgeous harmonies on the master's bouquet i really liked it the Black Peter was fun. I, I didn't find myself enthralled the whole time. It, it lost my attention at parts, but it was very pretty. The bridge was brilliant, and when it worked, it really worked. Um, then, right at the start of Uncle John's Band is finally when Bill Kreutzman shows back up, and they make a whole big show of the fact that Bill is here. Um, I'd like to pinpoint this moment with Bill as the start of the problems that led to him leaving Dead and Company. <laughs> um, I think it all stems from this evening. Nice. Um, 
Uncle John's was fun. Uh, like you were saying, a little sloppy guitar work. Bob and Jerry don't nail every chord of this song, but I thought the harmonies were really strong. Um, this is absolutely their Crosby, Stills, and Nash era. Uh, the high time later on in set two was the one that screamed Crosby, Stills, and Nash to me, but that, that comes through in this Uncle John's as well. It's a lot of fun, especially once the full band comes in, and it was kind of nice to hear them sort of transition from just acoustic to sort of full band with acoustic. Um, there's an odd mix just because they suddenly added a bunch of instruments. There's a point where Jerry tapping his acoustic guitar with his fingers is louder than Bill playing on a drum kit, but it was a generally really solid performance. Um, I wouldn't say every song in this set was great, but I generally enjoyed it, especially remembering that it was meant to stall. What did you think, game? Um, I really enjoyed um, the acoustic set. Um, I read in the archive comments, and Nob, you might be able to know this off the top of your head, but someone stated that they do believe this is the first official ever acoustic dead set um that was wow. ever uh recorded due to the fact of bill being late which i found interesting um the monkey and the engineer was probably the highlight of the acoustic set for me um and i don't know if it's just because i really like that song or if it was a really good performance uh but I, both, I think i really enjoyed monkey and the engineer um everything else um and by everything else i mean uh little sadie long black limousine little sadie rather Long Black Limousine, I've been all around this world. And uh, Bouquet, they were all okay. Um, I don't know those songs. Um, I'm a country music fan, um, and I consider myself an old country music fan, and I don't know those songs at all. Yeah. So, you know... Yeah, they're, they're really reaching into their yeah you know, high childhood and, and their shared love of, of country music and Americana, really. Yeah, um, and I and I and I think I would probably even call it more Americana than you know uh, like what one would consider country music today. Uh, so those songs were kind of just there for me. Uh, but then Black Peter and Uncle John's band, uh, I both really enjoyed. Um, really, highlights for me were Monkey and the Engineer, Black Peter, and Uncle John's band. Um, but still, really good. Um, and here's my hot take. Um, which I'll just dive into now. Um, I don't know the exact date of when Primal Dead is declared dead and over with and done. <laughs> However, I am willing to say it was dead on December 26th, 1969. Ooh. Because fucking audio quality was great. Great. <laughs> It was, it, was it was phenomenal. Awesome. Like, some of the shit we listen to from back here in these days sounds terrible. Terrible. Like, god-awful. How is this sounding so good? Like, so good. Just <laughs> like, the fact that we have anything is really phenomenal. I, right. And, and that's what really jumps out when it's like, it's such a good recording. <laughs> You know, like, it is one of the better sounding, if not best sounding, like, 1969 recordings I think we've listened to. Um, just hearing all the little, you know, intricacies of Jerry and Bobby playing together acoustically, the tuning, um, everything just clears a whistle. Um, yeah. I'll I'm say that, that's saying something since we've also 
reviewed the Woodstock show. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, so I like, would agree with that, yeah. So like yeah, very uh whoever taped this back at sixty nine, y'all did a hell of a job. Well, it was definitely um, a soundboard, but you know, I guess maybe they started filtering out. Uh, the soundboard started filtering out at this time. I don't know. I, 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 I don't would know. love. These are questions for Charlie Miller when, when, yeah, when he comes ex- on the podcast. That's exactly what I was going to say. I'm sorry. Um, I would love to see, uh, or at least know the intricacies of like taping in 1969. Like, I don't know. I just I find that interesting. Anyway, um, set two which is also known as the electric set, yeah. uh, kicked off with Casey Jones. Then we got Hard to Handle, uh, Cold Rain and Snow, China Cat Sunflower, I Know You Rider, High Time, Me and My Uncle, Dark Star, uh, New Speedway Boogie, and then uh, Turn on Your Love Light. Uh, Nob, what were your thoughts on the electric set? I liked it. <laughs> um... You could tell that the band was hungry from having to wait to play together until Kreutzmann got there. And so they come at it hot and heavy with the Casey Jones. Uh, some really fun energy there. Everyone is in fine form. Mm-hmm. You, can, you could tell they were a little antsy to get on stage during the Smothers Brothers variety hour. Um, <laughs> then some really fun vibes on Hard to Handle. It is groovy but energized. Uh, Pigman is feeling it. Uh, his vocals are just really lively. A nice rip in Jerry solo. I enjoyed the hard to handle. Cold Rain and Snow is okay. I didn't love it. It, it grew on me. I like the ending more than the beginning. The jam is particularly ferocious. The, the seven-headed beast is very much roaring there. But the song itself didn't quite do it for me. It was fine. Um, I loved, loved, loved this China Rider. Uh, very faithful arrangement in the original China Cat. It very much feels like the Oxamoxa version. Very well played, but it's the transition jam that really wows me. Uh, again, this is a really nice and clean tape, which helps a lot. But you can really hear some great interplay with everybody, going into sections, emphasizing different beats, getting more and more intense before settling back down into the groove of Rider. It was a really nice jam. Uh, a good head bobbing kinda. I know you, Ryder. Uh, my only gripe with it is Jerry's voice cracks right on. Yeah. I wish I was a headlight on a northbound train. I wrote just to, just to jump in. I wrote Jerry Garcia went through puberty on the second northbound yeah. train. As someone who has sung high notes before, I understand his pain. I've been there. I fear to be there again. Um, but it was <laughs> a very goofy low light of an otherwise really strong China Ryder. Um. And I like the high time. I thought there was a really nice placement to it. Um, it's quiet, it's soft, but we've had enough rippers to really justify a quiet, soft song. And Jerry has given it his all vocally. Really enjoyed it. Um, a fine me and my uncle. It's, it's me and my uncle. Jerry comes in hot with his licks, which is nice. There's almost like a, a, a spooky jaunt to this one. Um, you'll get faster, me and my uncles, you'll get better, me and my uncles, but this is still a good me and my uncle. Nothing against it. Um, loved, loved, loved the Dark Star. Really enjoyed. Uh, Phil Heavy, which is nice. You know, Jerry was ripping it up and killing it, and but there was a grounding that came from Phil that made the whole thing really cool. I enjoyed the journey that it took us on, from groovy to intense to ambient to bliss. 
It was a very active, very lively Dark Star. Every time I found myself getting tired of an idea, I would hear the band also getting tired of the idea and suddenly moving somewhere else, which was really cool. Um, and I was very impressed with the way Jerry took us back into the Dark Star verse, playing the, the main Dark Star motif at halftime and slowly getting the band all back together. Um, a very sudden tape transition going from Dark Star to New Speedway, which is a bit of a bummer, but it's a really good Dark Star and a fun New Speedway. Um, this is also a song where you can hear them going for Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young harmonies. There's a lot of, like, overlapping text between what Jerry's singing and the backing vocalists are singing. It was very interesting. Haven't heard another one like that. I'm glad it wasn't like that all the time, but it was interesting yeah. as an experiment. Um, and I thought Love Light was the perfect high-energy way to close a set like this. Despite being a Pigpen Love Light, I found everybody got a chance to show off what they do best. There were some hot Jerry licks, some lively stuff from Phil and the Rhythm Devils, even Constantin and Bobby got to add some really nice touches to the texture. Uh, Pigpen's rap hit on all the greatest hits, Get Your Hands Out of Your Pockets, Box Black Nitties, we got all the, some really high-energy wait-a-minutes. Uh, it was fun. Wait, what did, what I really liked... What are they? Bo box? Box Black Nitties? Oh, I didn't know that's I what he I think that's said. what he sings in that bit. I could be wrong about that. And is that... That's English, right? That's those Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna... I will come back to this. That'll be my, my closing okay. thought of the episode, is I'll read the text <laughs> of what Pigman normally sings there. Um, I had no idea. But yeah, it was a good... A very fun electric set, which obviously I liked more than the acoustic set. Uh, the heads and tails were the strongest bits, in my opinion. The Casey Jones, the Hard to Handle, the China Rider, and the Dark Star. I'm tired of hearing my own voice. What did you think, Fig? Yeah, sure. Um, so going back to Casey Jones, uh, yeah, I liked your take that like everyone was just kind of ready to have fun together and ready to, you know, just join join um, you know with their friends and play music because Casey Jones was kind of fun. Um, I wrote that it was a humorous Jerry Garcia solo. I always talk about how Jerry plays through his personality, and uh, he was feeling uh, fun and humorous that night, and uh, we get that in his solo. Hard to Handle is is actually a really good version. Um, at one point, Pigpen comes in just a little too early before yeah. uh, one of the verses, and, and he just plays it off perfectly by just giving a, a great wow. I would do it, but my mic... Or, the way that we record would just clip it and you wouldn't hear anything. But if you're going to listen to one song, it's going to be hard to handle just for Pigpen's reaction because he plays it off like the, the blues man that he is. Um, Let's go to Cold Rain in the Snow. So this is one where the harmonies were actually grating to me, uh, but it wasn't as bad as the 1231 show, right? Um, That was my mm. main complaint in 1231. Um, so Tonight, the harmonies were... But better. This one was starting to get on my nerves. However, it cuts out early and it goes straight into China Rider. Um, I really liked Phil on this one. Um, once uh, China gets going, Phil just sounds awesome. He's really just taking over. Uh, we get into Rider and the harmonies come back is pretty decent. Um, like I said, Jerry went through puberty on the second northbound train. That is not to be missed just because he uh, tries to go for the high note and he goes somewhere else. High Time and Uncle, I don't have... Uh, Dark Star is definitely another great one. It's about 25 minutes long. Uh, it touches on darkness and then kind of goes pop. You know, it, it almost felt like um, when you're... Um, I don't know. 
when you're having a psychedelic moment and and uh, it could go bad or it could go good and and it goes good and uh that was dark star um really well done version of the version i've never heard before and and one that i really loved and yeah it was just kind of cool to hear them explore different ideas and yeah those ideas sometimes were profound sometimes they were just beautiful but like they never you know to nob's point they they never outlived their welcome and the band you know progressed through uh with a 25 minute dark star um, which does end very abruptly because I guess the tape ran out and they go into news, new speed Bay boogie. Um, after that dark star, I think it was probably hard for them to come up with anything, um, to, to cap that. And this, I did not like this new Speedway. Uh, Jerry kind of blew the lyrics. Um, I think of one verse, he just kind of muttered his way through. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't blame him. You know, it's tough, but, uh, that's what stood out for me for speedway. Love Light was really good. I saw in the archive that people were saying this is like a heady version of Love Light. I thought it was good. I didn't really see anything that really stood out with me, but I'm not the biggest pig pen guy, so so maybe I just don't know what I'm listening to. So I'll kick it over to Game. That was uh, the electric set for me. Um, Yeah, you guys have kind of covered my thoughts for everything. I thought it was really good. Uh, Casey Jones was really good. Heart to Handle was good. Uh, Cold Rain and Snow I thought was really good. China Cat, uh, I know your rider, was good. High Time was okay. Uh, I did really enjoy me and my uncle. Uh, Dark Star, I actually did not care for. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't have like a, you know, like at the six minute mark, they did this, and I wish they would have did that. Um, well, I think you have an aversion. I mean, what I've what I've learned, you know, by doing two seasons, two years of the <laughs> podcast, you have an aversion to long songs generally. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with that. Um, long songs that. Hmm. This is a thought we need to dive into more. Sure. What don't I like, and what's the 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 tie? Because we can't say all long songs because shit. Oh, it's only plays long songs. Well, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be on this podcast <laughs> if you didn't like. Yeah. Long songs. Yeah. Um. But that's a good thought to dive into. Um, new Speedway Boogie, I sit really on this, like. Uh, sit on the sofa. Let's, let's explore. Uh, that scares me when I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I really did like this Love Light. Um, and I think, Nob, you said it best. Like, yes, this is a pig pen song. But everybody kind of got the shot. Um, and that's what I like about it. I hate the ones where it's just, you know, like... 37 minutes of just pig pen rambling while drinking Jack Daniels. I, 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 I don't like those love lights. This one was a good one. Um, I am still firmly in the camp of, while this is, I think, considered Primal Dead, this was not a Primal Dead show, <laughs> um, even with the love light. Um, overall, um, a show I think that's very, very worth listening to um, for all everybody involved. Um, we have no Scarlet Fire to rate this week. Um, did we want to rate the Dark Star? I don't think we've done that in a while. Never rated a Dark Star. We, we don't get many Dark Stars. Um, let's go let's... ahead and rate it just because. Sure. Um, Fig, since you mentioned it earlier in the day, I'll let yeah. you rate it first. Um... <sighs> I have a hard time comparing Dark Stars just because it doesn't stick in my head. Um, I'd give this one a nine. I really enjoyed it. I really did. Um, this is like you know, if someone would tell me for a Dark Star wreck, I would give them this one. But but that being said, I don't really 
uh, I don't have a comparator to to base that against. So um, just in my head. But this one was fun. I I came back to it a couple times. I I, I just love the poppy stuff. It was cool. I give it a nine. Yeah. Nod. I go with uh, I'll say uh, I'll say a nice seven and a half. I was going between seven and eight, so I'll go with a seven and a half. Um, I liked it. It was very good. I enjoyed the journey that it took us on. I've got other 1969 Dark Stars that I've liked more, but this was really fun. I enjoyed this thoroughly. Oh man, you guys rated it pretty good. Um, now we can rate it on a curve for you since you're not into like the long songs. No, if it's if it's not above an eight, we're not going to be friends anymore. <laughs> I was gonna give it. Uh, truthfully, I was gonna give it a six. Yeah. Um, and I, I think tell Bobby. I think every dark star. This might sound stupid, but I think every dark star is at minimum a five. Because it's okay. just a, like, like you know, like I, it's just. While I don't like them all, I'm still able to see and appreciate what it is, and sure. and what the art is, and and the um, improvisation. I'm sure that I don't realize is happening is happening. That kind of shit, right? So I think at minimum, everyone is a five. Uh, now, me then giving this a six. Is is that just a barely step up from from the minimum? I I, I don't know. Um, definitely not the best dark star I've ever heard. I don't know what the best dark star is I've ever heard. But I know this one wasn't it. Um, but still pretty good because it's a dark star. So um, a six, a seven, five, and a nine. We're uh, we're all throughout there. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the book of the dead. Um, Big, has this made your Book of the Dead? Uh, I'm going to go with yes. Uh, this one surprised me. Um, I loved... I mean, if it's true that this was their first kind of acoustic electric uh, companion set, um, then I, I think that that's makes it a historic show, and that would make my uh, Book of the Dead. Uh, this is one that I was not looking forward to because I, I panned the 1231 show. But um, really liked it. It was different. It was new. It was interesting. I liked that Dark Star... Um, this you know the recording was fantastic. I'm gonna give it a yes. Knob Book of the Dead. I think no. I liked it, and there are some songs that are gonna make my my books of their respective songs. And I think it's neat. I think the the acoustic set is interesting. Um, but no, I wouldn't put this in my Book of the Dead. Um, this is, this is very much a me. This would be in my book of 1969, Grateful Dead. Um, and this could even be my number one as of right now, 1969, Grateful Dead show. Uh, but I still wouldn't pick this out of a, out of a show to listen to on my own. Um, so no, for me, for the book of the dead. Um, but like I said, even though I am saying no, it is still really good. Um, really good show. Um, so now, since this is not our Book of the Dead, and we are not giving the audience um, the entire show, should we give them the acoustic set or the electric set? Um, I'm going to vote for electric set. Um, Fig, what do you think? Um, I'll join you uh, with the caveat, with the um, 
with the impression that if you do have time, go back and check out the acoustic set. Because uh, again, I mean, if if that's true, that that was the first kind of acoustic set that they've done, like that's really cool. And it was cool to see Bobby, and it was cool to see Jerry uh, do their thing together for the most part. So, oh, man, I like that first set. But we have the Dark Star. Well, let's uh, let's see what Nob's opinion yeah. is. Nob, Nob, what do you think? Oh, I'm also Team Electric set. Uh, <laughs> first, that's good. Um, it's fun. Definitely check it out if you've got the time. But the second set is the better of the sets. Um, so if you have to pick one, I would go with set two. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with two, just because in uh, Master's Bouquet, they rhyme bouquet with decay. Which was... Uh, I took offense to that. <laughs> As you should. As you should. Yeah, that's just a bad rhyme. All right, so please, after this podcast is over, please make sure to stick around for the electric set, also known as set two of Boxing Day 1969. Um, Show MVP. Um, I'm going to say... I'll kick this off. And I'm going to go with two people, and it's going to be incredibly cliche to say these two people. However, they did do a whole set by themselves when no one else was there. And that is the great Jerry Garcia and Bobby Weir. Uh, Nob, who were your show MVPs? I mean, I feel like when you're factoring in the acoustic set, the show MVP has to be either Jerry or Bob. Um, I think I enjoyed Bob more in the acoustic set, but Jerry blew me away more in the electric set. So I would go with Jerry here. Uh, Fig. I'll I'll break with my uh, run of picking Jerry as my MVP, um, and say that it was Pigpen just for the awesome. Huh? Whoa! I can't yeah. say if I do say it, it's gonna clip out on uh, hard to handle because that was just expertly done and just a lot of fun to hear him uh, play that play that little thing off there. So uh, I'm gonna go with Pigpen. All right, our Reddit comments for this week. Uh, we just have one, but it was a good one. Um, I, uh, this was from, uh, I need to zoom in here. Um, someone zooming in for me. One second. Oh man, I messed this up. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, good. Uh, why can't I, there we go. Why the fuck? Why are my eyes this bad? Oh, there we go. Uh, well, I still I I so it. now, it's a now I can't that, say it. <laughs> it. It does. It I don't know if if it's supposed to be read backwards or forwards, but it's Wallomendum underscore Hunden. Hey, I appreciate you taking that one for me. Uh, their their comment was, I have for some reason ignored this project. How dare you? Uh, until now, <laughs> but my curiosity has been piqued. Can't listen at the moment, but I should start to follow along. This seems like a fantastic project. Hey. We appreciate that, and thank you for joining this lovely ride. Next week, we're going back to the 90s, ladies and gentlemen. We are visiting March 16th, 1992, taking place in a little venue known as The Spectrum, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, This looks like an okay set list. I don't know. Nothing... Ugh, set to Karina. Yeah, yeah, but it's a Karina Scarlet Fire estimated, so moderate yourself. Oh yeah, good point. 
Yeah, and a uh, watchtower okay. do is always fun. And we've never had to let the good times roll before, so that'll be fun to talk about. Train, oh, train to what the hell is train to cry? I've it never takes heard a that. lot to laugh. It takes a train to oh, cry. Okay. It's a Bob Dylan tune. Oh, 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 oh! Jerry oh, sings oh. it. It's very good. Two final songs. Final CC Rider yeah. too. Interesting. Yeah, I'm surprised they dropped CC Rider as early as they did, but it's probably because they had fallen in love with Little Red Rooster and the same thing and Walking Blues and CC Rider never than a bunch of those. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, well, I'm than... okay with them dropping it in '92. <laughs> yeah, I didn't need them to keep doing it, but uh, I'm just surprised of all the blues tunes that that one is the one of the ones that gets dropped. Right. Uh, another thing they dropped the same thing. Another special caveat of this show. Um, you know what, Nob? I'll let you say speak on this little caveat. Sure. Well, longtime listeners of the pod will know that a lot of my love of the dead comes from uh, my dad following them around back in the day when there there still was a, a Grateful Dead and a, a Jerry Garcia, and he didn't yet have an ice cream flavor. Um, and this show is uh, a show that he was at, uh, which is exciting. We've uh, we've had one that he was at before, and I forgot about it until days after we recorded the episode <laughs> this time we remember and we know and uh he'll be able to join us for a little bit to uh just talk Ooh. about general experiences he's not a, a song by song breakdown kind of guy like us but uh he'll have some fun stuff to say i can't wait to hear his uh, his his detailed thoughts on set to karina openers did you say... rate the scarlet fire out of 10 dad <laughs> from your Is recollection the... only um, is this on your book of the dead? <laughs> I just want to say two things. One, I think it's great that uh, we'll be welcoming Nob's dad onto the show. I look forward to it immensely. And two, a um, little fact check on the Cherry Garcia reference. Uh, it actually came oh, out in 87, no. as oh, we all man. know. Oh. Uh, so, um, Does it really? You get a demerit. You get a demerit. Give me, give me back one of your the gold stars. Like, all right. All right. I didn't realize it's been a flavor for that long. That's been a flavor for as long I, uh, as me. I figured it was going to be closer to. It fish was actually food. a fan suggested flavor. Oh. I don't know if the the uh, the pun was part of the suggestion or it was just the flavor. But uh, in 1987, we got our mm-hmm. cherry Garcia ice cream, which I've never had and I have no interest in. Oh, it's so good. I don't. What cherry is an ice cream? I don't want that. You know, I. I normally, I agree with you. I agree with you. You'd be surprised. You owe right. it to yourself to try it sometime. It's pretty All damn right, good. Listen, in the lot in Philly, I'm bringing you guys friendship bracelets and Cherry Garcia ice cream. Oh man, you're it's welcome. Be, it's gonna be a good time. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go ahead and do our bookkeeping. Some knob can go to his party this evening before he goes to the real party tomorrow night, which is Taylor Swift. As always, please go ahead and smash the subscribe button and like and share with any and all of your Grateful Dead loving friends and family. You may find us at wherever podcasts are downloaded. However, you will not find us at Don't Leave Your Balloons in the Parking Lot of Um, If you are going to consume balloons full of gas, please pocket them and throw them away in the nearest trash receptacle and don't litter. Do your drugs and be respectful. Uh, please, if you want to follow us, 
Yes. If you want to follow us on the web uh, or listen to us on the web, actually, uh, help on the way pod.podbean.com. If you would like to email us, uh, please email us at helponthewaypod at gmail.com. As always, you can communicate with us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Grateful Dead. Any final words from my friends, Knob or Fig? Um, she wears short skirts. I wear t-shirts. Well, as we all know, she's got box back knitties and great big noble thighs working <laughs> undercover with a boar hog's eye. <laughs> and on that note, we thank you once again for listening to the Help on the Way podcast. <laughs>
my duck slowly. Spin it up, thing, let me light your calico, mama. I'm sure all the hell now, yes, I mean. Thank you. Let's get it together.
This is a Texas tune. 
went riding down South Colorado, West Texas bound We stopped over in Santa Fe That being the point, just about halfway And you know it was the hottest part of the day I took the horses up to the store I went to the bar room, ordered drinks for all Three days in the saddle, you know my body hurt It being summer, well I took off my shirt Yeah, I tried to wash off some of that dusty dirt West Texas cowboys, they stole around With liquor and money, they loaded down So soon after payday, you know it seemed a shame So you know my uncle, he starts a friendly game Let now a high look Jack and the winner take the hand
place is really quiet. No kidding. Are you people all sitting in the dark watching us goof around up here? It's not like we were doing something important, you know. It's not that important, man. If it was that important, we wouldn't do it. Disadvantage to not have a microphone in a place this big. Anybody want a microphone?
Well, we done lost track, and when we came to, we found out we only have 10 minutes left, so we're going to do something. <laughs> Without a warning.
too. And the reason she does me so good. The reason she does me just so fine. And I wish she'd treat me sometimes. Just make me feel fine. Cause I can wake up in the morning about a quarter to five. She's rolling like a stingray on a four-day drive.
Thank you for dropping by.